Hey everyone, I'm Jacob. I'm Gabriel. I'm Aranya. We're the intellectuals. These are the issues. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the Intellectuals Presents Colon Tackling the Issues podcast. A certain milestone in our in our history. We're actually here. Uh, this is the second episode of three that we're doing in a sort of marathon sesh. So uh, uh, this is really good. And the second is the final episode of our China mini-series, and that is discussing the South China Sea. And we have special guest uh, Tom, not the Tom that you're used to. No, it is a different Tom. And uh, uh, he's here with us today. Hello. Happy to be here on the Intellectuals Podcast. Uh, Tom is a loyal fan of ours and uh, begged to be on the podcast, so we could have... Uh, so we, who are we to say no to that? Uh, will you be joining us for the Mind Palace episode that is happening after this? I believe I will. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to in these next in these next few episodes. So we're going to start us off with the South China Sea. Jacob wants to give us a brief inter a uh, brief uh, introduction. Okay. Now before we get straight into this, we first need to know what an EEZ or an Exclusive Economic Zone is. Uh, it's a sea zone this prescribed by the 1982 United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, over which a state has special rights regarding the exploration and use of marine resources, including energy production from water and wind. Um, the EEZ applies to all countries who have access to a sea, and it's stretched out to roughly 370 kilometers from its coastline. Now, this becomes an issue in the South China Sea, where there are a lot of countries surrounding a, re- a relatively small sea packed together. In total, the South China Sea disputes involve both both island and maritime claims um, among several sovereign states within the region, namely Brunei, the People's Republic of China, the Republic of China, uh, Taiwan, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines and Vietnam. All countries lay claim to the same relatively small area and these tensions have continued for decades now. Uh, so a bit of context for why exactly the South China Sea is so important to these countries. It is of immense economic significance. Almost $3 trillion of trade passes through the sea yearly due to trade between China and its eastern partners, Japan and Europe, and Southeast Asian countries and the rest of the world. Uh, Southeast Asia also relies heavily upon fisheries in the area, which contribute hugely towards the food security of millions in the subcontinent. There are also presumed to be large reserves of crude oil under the surface. And moreover, it also contains one-third of all marine biodiversity in the world, according to the Department of Environment and Natural Resource in the Philippines. Yeah, so Aranya briefly mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to go into the large amount of trade within the South China Sea. In fact, one-third of all global shipping flows through the South China Sea's maritime borders. Um, This includes the large Asian economies of China, Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, all of their exports would flow through the South China Sea and that all relies mainly on the Strait of Malacca in the border of Indonesia and Malaysia. Uh, The Strait of Malacca is so important because it connects the Indian Ocean to the South China Sea and then by extent the whole Pacific Ocean as a whole. Uh, The People's Republic of China, their economic security is all very reliance on the South China Sea. For China itself, $874 billion worth of exports flow through the South China Sea, and South Korea, second place, and $249 billion. 
Uh, now, obviously, with such a resource-rich area as the South China Sea, there are bound to be disputes over who owns what. Specifically concerning China, however, there have been a few smaller disputes, such as over the waters west of the Spratly Islands with Vietnam. Uh, this occurred after a conflict in 1974, which resulted in the deaths of 71 people. Uh, larger disputes include the effects of its... Uh, sorry, larger disputes include uh, China and uh, Taiwan... Uh, sorry, China and... Uh, the Philippines over the Spratly Islands currently because they are assumed to be uh, large oil deposits underneath the water surrounding the Spratly Islands. Uh, moreover, it is generally an area of great uh, trade, of great uh, economic significance, and therefore most countries, including Australia, which is surprisingly uh, very down south, but uh, very, very important and a large player in this uh, field. Uh now, the main crux of the issue is that China's internationally recognized EEZ does not nearly cover the area which it claims. Um, uh, claims uh, its claim stretches down to almost absurd lengths, almost down to, to, the, to in encroaching other countries' EEZs, even while it's not even close. So how does China attempt to justify this? By constructing artificial islands in the sea so as to extend the range of their influence. Since 2013, China has constructed more than 3,000 dredged up acres across seven features that are now studded with long-range sensor arrays, port facilities, runways, and reinforced bunkers for fuel and weapons. That's a huge military footprint, uh, despite what Chinese President Xi Jinping's nominal uh, 2015 pledge, uh, which was not to militarize the islands, and the foreign ministries claims that these necessary defense facilities are provided primarily for maritime safety and natural disaster support. Now, I'm not, aw I'm not aware of how bunkers for weapons contribute to combating natural disasters, but I'm sure they know what they're doing. And I think the most famous case of these is the Spratly Islands in uh, the South China Sea. It's part of the uh, South China Sea Islands, which is a ar ar archip archipelago. archipelago. Thank you, Rania. It's an archipelago, and uh, China has constructed various amounts of... Uh, uh, military, th uh, they've dredged the land, built their own island, and made military bases on these Spratly Islands. And the claims are disputed because it vastly extends the range of the EEZ. Um, actually, China's claimed total sovereignty over the sea, including the Spratly Islands, and the entire, uh, and has claimed it in an, an economic, exclusive economic zone, as Jacob said, EEZ. Uh, since then, uh, since they have done this, they, China has increased efforts to reclaim land and has built military operations on the Spratly and Woody Islands. This, as Gabby said, has increased tensions with other countries. Uh, for example, according to the U.S., under the CLOS, which is the uh, Convention of the Law of the Sea, uh, the U.S. requires and mandates freedom of navigation operations by the military, and they continue to make routine navigations there. Obviously a sign of great distress and a great tension between these two countries. I just like to add to that a lot of um, a lot like a lot of things that chi that China claims that Taiwan also claims the exact basically the exact same EEZ that China does, which also adds to the tension between the two nations. Now, some of these countries, such as Brunei, are already tiny. They have a tiny landmass, and this EEZ is almost they they need that EEZ just to sustain the country, while the South China Sea just wants to wants to extend its influence and gain access to the estimated, I think it's 28 uh, million barrels, billion barrels of oil reserves, and almost the 266 trillion cubic feet of natural gas reserves. And not only to mention the port, 
but um, together with uh, deteriorating um, China-U.S. relations, as well as the, um, people have noticed that the U.S. is not appearing to support its allies such as Vietnam or the Philippines as much as it has used to. And this has prompted China to become more aggressive in their actions, uh, not only in just building bases on tiny islands, they've also resorted to military exercises, patrolling of disputed areas, as well as other grey zone tactics, which ensures that tensions remain high while open war, of con while open war or conflict never necessarily breaks out. Uh, it's important to note, as Jacob said, China is not playing fair in this situation. They refuse to accept the authority of The Hague, which is the United Nations uh, uh, lawmaking force, when the Philippines brought multiple cases against China concerning the South China Sea in 2016. And uh, in in, moreover, in order to deter this tension, Japan has also sold military ships to other countries such as the Philippines and Vietnam to ensure their maritime security and deter Chinese aggression, since, as Jacob said, the United States is doing relatively little to help their uh, current allies. Some of these countries that have larger EEZ claims, and they actually possibly should have, they also claim the fisheries and the lucrative fishing opportunities and seafood opportunities that are crucial for the food security of millions in Southeast Asia. For example, the Ind in Indonesia, um, uh, Indonesia claims lots of their coastline, considering lots of the claims along the Sumatra Island, and collectively, um, lots of uh, local fishing industries are reliant on these claims. And then, when foreign countries claim these waters, they're pushed out of the way, and many families and many industries come at a loss to these larger fishing corporations. And also has to be noted that um, in the South China Sea, while we have talked that it's one of the largest fisheries in the world, um, it's being severely overfished. And even though millions of people worldwide um, are supported by this, um, if the overfishing continues, then there's a, we can only speculate as to the negative impact of overfishing. Uh, and actually, fishing uh, moves us swiftly on to the topic that I wanted to talk about, which is China's effects to the environment, to the ocean environment. We are the intellectuals. We have great respect for nature. And we think that what China's doing in the South China Sea is absolutely unthinkable. China, as Jacob said, due to overfishing, has almost 100 to 150 boats working per coral reef, which is completely unsustainable when compared to the 0.1 to 0.5 boats working per reef in Australia and the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, around there. Um, new research from the James Cook University in Australia shows that dredging and overfishing by China in the reefs around South China Sea have severely reduced the amount of coral, larvae, and fish that depend on them. So not only are they taking up fish, but they're destroying the habitats of fish, which means that there are fewer fish in the future, which means that food security in the nation and the surrounding islands is heavily threatened. I think it's interesting to note that this is an ever-evolving uh, sort of conflict. There's new information on the South China Sea every single day as these countries, you look at Philippines, you look at Malaysia, you look at China, as these countries continue to dispute. So it really is, <clears throat> sorry, it really is a never-ending sort of thing. I mean, just just today you look at Philippines, uh, just won a case that meant that China's sweeping sort of uh, uh, expansion in the South China Sea uh, towards their coast was uh, invalid so you can look at that and there are many many markers throughout the years that you can say uh, this was a big moment for the South China Sea 
So we have to explore why the South, Ch South China Sea is so significant in global trade. It's because it's simply the easiest and most uh, financially effective way of routing all their trade through to East Asia from Europe and South Asia. Uh, a few alternatives to the Malacca Strait exist, including the Sunda Strait, the Lombok Strait, and routing trade around Australia. However, if you were to flow through the Sunda Strait, it would on monthly average cost 279 million US dollars for the Lombok Strait 515 million US dollars and to go right around Australia 2820 million dollars effectively if you control the South China Sea you control trillions of dollars worth of trade annually wow 2820 million dollars let me rephrase that that's 2.8 billion dollars per year that is being lost well as uh, we previously said Sorry? Per, per month. month. Per month. That's even worse. That's per month. That's a lot yeah. of money. That's now, that's true as well, well Gabby. Very true. Very true. Um, what's interesting to understand is that even though there is $3 trillion per year going through this, $2.8 per month adds up a lot. That is an incredible amount of money that, South, that China is willing selfishly to um, you know, reroute from everyone else to make life harder for everyone else just so that they gain a small benefit to their already burgeoning economy. So it's perhaps unlike, I mean, very like China to do something like this. They're genuine selfish ways. And perhaps there is need for change in the future, which hopefully the United Nations will be able to address. Uh, just to hop back on the trade uh, part of the topic, we've talked about how like it's already controlling a large area, a large part, portion of the trade, but it's likely going to increase as um, as trade, as globalization and trade has continued to develop, uh, the Panama Canal has become too small for the for many of the cargo ships, and many of the new post Panama ships, those that which don't fit into the locks of the Panama Canal, they now have to resort to going through the South China Sea route instead of through the Panama Canal. So that so we may uh, see in the future witness we may witness in the future uh, more trade flowing through the South China Sea. However, this can only be speculation as there are always new trade routes uh, opening up, such as the one through the Arctic as the ice is slowly melting due to climate change, unfortunately. Uh, I'd like to move back to some of the other disputes which have um, been uh, brought against China because I believe that these are just as important as uh, the effects to trade. Some disputes in include the effects of its reclamation projects and oil rigs built near the Spratly Islands. Uh, the United States CLOS, as I said before, Convention on the Law of the Sea, condemned China for their destruction of coral reefs and lack of respect to the sovereignty of nations, which China called, quote, ill-founded. Um, personally, I believe that this demonstrates China's lack of care towards any and all authority, even those which should govern it and perhaps govern the world. They're defying international law, they're defying uh, international social standards, and honestly, it's morally unacceptable to continue to do such great damage and turn a blind eye to it. So perhaps uh, there needs to be some rethinking on the part of Chinese uh, nationals. Now, I can kind of see where China's coming from. Uh, almost 80% of its oil imports arrive uh, through the South China Sea, but when you're when you're on uh, sort of its nine dash line, which is a geographical marker used to assert its claim, when it stretches out as far as two thousand kilometers away from the Chinese mainland, reaching waters close to Indonesia and Malaysia, while its EEZ is supposed to only be three hundred seventy kilometers from its mainland, you kind of get a couple of issues from there. Um, so back to why does China claim the entire sea? 
Well, in 2013, the Philippines formally initiated arbitration proceedings against China's claim of the territories within their nine-dash line that includes the Spratly Islands and other islands within the South China Sea, which was then said to be unlawful under the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. In 2016, the Permanent Court of Arbitration backed the Philippines, saying there was no evidence that China had historically exercised exclusive control over the waters or resources, hence there being no legal basis for China to claim historic rights over the Nine-Dash Line. And I think that the fact that the Nine-Dash Line has not actually officially been registered by the Chinese is uh, very interesting. This means that China can keep these lines as vague as possible, and can really expand their claim as far as they want in the South China Sea. Now, is there an end to this site? Well, uh, recently, um, uh, v- Vietnam, China's most ex- outspoken critic of China, has often has softened its stance, as well as uh, F- uh, Philippine President uh, Rodrigo Duterte has agreed to solve the dispute with China through bilateral talks. Now, a binding agreement has been discussed for two years uh, with no avail, but in August. But back in August 2018, it was revealed that all the parties had agreed on a single draft negotiating text. Now, this will be very key to provide to provide trade stability in the future, as um, as uh, claimants have seized the control of raft of sea features, including rocks, islands, and low tide elevations. Now, if a draft agreement can be made so that each of these separate territories can be um, spread out evenly and fairly, then I think that's the best way forward for the world and for the trade uh for trade stability in the future uh i think that just about wraps it up here uh thank you for listening and uh we will catch you in the next one uh we just want to every listener should have to thank uh tom for coming on the podcast Uh, thank you very much everyone i hear your applause all the way from here now that's what we like to hear but we're the intellectuals and we're done here